How do social entrepreneurs and small businesses create an authentic brand people love so they can get the edge they need to stand out, create predictable revenue, and compete against the big guys? That's what we're here to discuss. I'm Adam Force, the founder of Change Creator, and this is the Authentic Brand Mastery Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Authentic Brand Mastery Podcast. Um, Now, if you missed the last episode, it is with Robin Johnson. We talked about uh, getting your brand's uh, products, you know, uh, to kick some ass (laughs) on Amazon, right? Um, You know, this is a great revenue channel. So if you missed that, you want to go back and check it out. She has a ton of experience there. Uh, And so today we're going to be chatting uh, with Rick Wilson. So Rick Wilson is the CEO of a company called Miva. They're in the e-commerce software, uh, like kind of SaaS space, and they do all kinds of cool stuff there. So lots of expertise in that space. He had 20 years of expertise in uh, retail, tech, e-commerce, and they're really investing in the future of e-commerce, right? And we're going to get into some of the trends and things like that. Um, you know, he's an author as well, runs podcasts, all that good stuff. And so he's seen firsthand the evolution of the economy, you know, starting way back since the 90s. Um, and so we're going to get into some really interesting conversation about marketing trends and e-commerce strategies and things like that. So hang tight. We're going to get into that stuff with Rick. Um Okay, so what is going on with the brand studio? We have some fun stuff, guys. Uh, we've been real. We're we're actually, you know, it's been interesting because one of my clients, John, we had a really great uh, campaign at the end of the year of 2021, and so you know, he reached out to me. He's like, "Oh man, we got to scale this thing to seven figures." So we're we're working on that currently, and um, you know, we just had these incredible. We did a unique kind of a weird strategy that worked out really well, um, and we had this 86% opt-in rate, and we're but um, so we're offering any e-commerce brands. We want to work with you and really run these strategies to take your brand to new heights, basically. And we will make a profitable sales funnel for you. Um, and we'll guarantee that just by saying, well, if it's not, we'll keep working for free until we do, right? <laughs> we want to make it a no brainer for you because we know it will help you. Uh, so you can reach out. We got, um, we actually have two spots open now. So if you guys are looking for that, we have two spots open. They won't last forever changecreator.com. You'll find us. Reach out. Book a call. Okay. Show me the heat. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Rick. Welcome to the Authentic Brand Mastery Podcast. How are we doing today? I'm doing awesome, Adam. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I appreciate you taking the time to pop in. Um, You know, I I noticed you're in the e-commerce space and we're kind of dialing in, as I mentioned, in our little pregame conversation um, into that space more. And so, yeah, I'm excited to chat since you uh, got that experience. And I'd like to hear a little bit more about um, some of the trends you're seeing and how you're, you know, helping customers in that space. Um, so all that good stuff, but maybe you could kick, kick us off with a little bit of, um, you know, background of what's going on with in your world. Sure. So, um, I, yeah, I've been around, you know, I, I don't feel like an old man and I guess technically I'm not, but I've been around e-commerce for a long time. I got involved uh, in e-commerce in 1999. Uh, back then, software as a service didn't exist. Salesforce was just a dream, right? Shopify didn't exist, et cetera. And so uh, we were one of the first e-commerce platforms on the market back then. And we sold the web hosting companies. So I started out from the angle of selling to, you know, uh, 
well, you wouldn't buy software this way for the most part today, but we would sell to like the GoDaddy's or the Bluehost or the HostGators of the world, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, then um, we sold the company in 2003. Uh, the people we sold it to, it didn't work out super well. And then in 2007, myself and four other people bought it back. We morphed it into a SaaS company, uh, bootstrapped it uh, for the first decade, turned it into more mid-market. So we focused on a little bit larger merchants, people doing a million, a hundred million online. Um, but it's given me a really unique view of the world. And so, yeah. you know, our customers do a couple billion a year in sales uh, with a B and, uh, and I've written a couple books. Uh, and so the, uh, I, 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 what I'm passionate about personally is what entrepreneurs are doing, which is one of this podcast is interesting to me, right? Yeah. Like when I was a kid growing up, I always knew I wanted to be a business person. I knew I wanted to run my own business. And I think that's a special kind of person out there. And I, and I like talking to them. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I am. Um, you know, I know that feeling and, uh, it's, it, it is nice to kind of lead your own path and, and all that good stuff. Um, and also just kind of come up with ideas, help people. Um, when you have that perspective, it can be a lot of fun. And so I'm curious, like, you know, just over the years now that you've been in the space for a while, um, you know, what are some of the things that you're seeing? Let's think big picture for now before we dial in and just sure. some of the trends, you know, in e-commerce that may be a little less obvious for people, right? That might be helpful as we're here. here sure. So at a macro level, one of the trends I think that's going on in e-commerce is I'm going to make a prediction right now that Amazon, at least as a percentage of e-commerce in North America has peaked. So, um, and, and I, Amazon's obviously the juggernaut. There's this sort of sense that uh, a few years ago, the sense was really out there that, you know, why even have an independent store just sell on Amazon, but Amazon has lost trust, right? So people, people worry about getting counterfeits. Now people worry about getting broken stuff. They worry about dealing with returns. Uh, consumer trust has eroded a bit in Amazon. And yeah. so I think, I don't think Amazon's going anywhere. Don't hear me no. incorrectly, <laughs> but, no. but they're currently at like 40% or so of North American online retail. And I think that's where they're going to stay for the foreseeable future as opposed to get bigger. And I think the rise of independent sellers, whether you're selling t-shirts via Instagram on Shopify or whether you're selling auto parts via a platform like ours, uh, I, I think that world has a lot of growth opportunity in front of it. And there's still a huge huge market. Uh, I wouldn't call it, you know, blue, blue sky or green field, but there's a huge market still for digitizing businesses. And I think for, especially if you're a younger entrepreneur, you might take for granted that e-commerce is ubiquitous because you've kind of grown up with it being everywhere, but yeah. it's not as ubiquitous as you think. There's still an amazing amount of commerce happening the old fashioned way that needs to be disrupted. Yeah. I mean, that, that's fair. Um, and it's an, it has been an interesting evolution, you know, things like Amazon, cause you brought it up. I had just had several conversations with people and in other interviews and stuff. And the thing I, I mean, I think it's a good revenue channel that can complement your, your primary hub, right? Your website. Yep. And, but the thing about it is you're not getting email addresses and you're not yep. getting that data to really build your customer base. Cause they obviously, they found people reselling that information, <laughs> yep. um, which is uh, cannibalizing their business, which makes sense. You know, I can get that, but that's a downside to me, which is big because I'm a big, I'm big fan of backend sales, which is, you know, well, it's all you know, the money. Whatever. I mean, that's where all the profit is, right? That's where all the building, profit is. building a, you know, if you, that's the whole point of building a brand, right? If I'm buying, if I'm buying an iPhone charger, right? I'm buying a little, one of those little bricks to plug into the yeah. wall and I could buy one for five bucks at a gas station. Yeah. There's 
the that's truly a commodity, right? And it's it's kind of meaningless as long as it doesn't blow my phone up or me up. But uh, but Belkin, if you take an alternative to that, sells the same thing for like thirty bucks. And the reason is Belkin's built a brand, right? And they're they're selling more than just a little brick. I trust their brick's not going to blow up on me, right? They're going to send me marketing emails with a bunch of other products. Now they have magnetic charges that are so you build a brand to get those long term repeat sales, and that's that's the big difference. A huge difference. I mean, I, you know, one of the things, you know, we, we, we build these like sales systems out. We've been testing some interesting creative concepts with people. And, um, and we have found like, when you really look at the KPIs, uh, just for people listening, the key performing uh, indicators, um, you can like break even or even lose a little bit on the front end steps, you know, and in the sales process. But then you, if you have that really smart back end and brand, you build the brand loyalty and equity, it can just like three, four, five X the return, <laughs> which is uh, absolutely just amazing. You know, yeah. I, I'm not even, I mean, that's probably more in your space than mine. I'm not a performance marketer per se. Uh, but I know a lot of people in that industry and that's always been the rule of thumb. I've been taught sell a product where you can basically break even and get the customer data and then turn around and sell them seven times more product. That's profitable. That's the golden ticket, man, because e-commerce is tough when you want to run ads because you can, it's, you know, you have a very low ticket item most likely. So you have to get really creative on the front end and set certain expectations. And if you don't have that full strategy in place, you're not making money on just selling a single product. Like if I see people who are like, they have these, you know, I have a Shopify template that says shop now button, and I'm going to drive someone to a product page with my Facebook ad and you're just burning cash. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that gets back to what you're saying about brand, right? So why do people, you know, I always like to ask people, why do you want, why should someone buy from you? Right. Yeah. And like, um, you know, so, so my fiance and I have four rescue chihuahuas. So we have okay. a Brady bunch of dogs. I had two, she had two, we got together, we have four. <laughs> and, um, and so we buy doggy bandanas from this company in San Francisco called the foggy dog. And I don't know them. I have no affiliation with them, but if, if you're into, if you're into that kind of stuff, go to the foggy dog and they, and they don't even a customer, they have a Shopify store. I wish they were a customer. And, um, and they, uh, they've built a brand so they can seasonally send us emails with the latest, you know, the Easter bandana and the 4th of July bandana and the fall bandana. And cool. you know, it wasn't long ago that my fiance looked at me and goes, how many dog bandanas can we own? But the fact of the matter is we buy about 20 a year <laughs> for every three months or every two months. Right. Um, because we get, we've, they've built a brand now dog bandanas themselves, just a piece of cloth and a triangle that's the size of your dog's neck is not a particularly that's whatever, but they've, They've hired designers, they've built brand marketing, they've built a, an experience about buying their products. And so you might think, well, how do I build a brand around whatever my widget is? And the truth is, if you can do it around a dog bandana, you can do it around just about anything if you really think it through and come up with a strategy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You get the right, you know, we call brand brand blueprint for our purposes, but a brand strategy. And, um, you know, you really think through these steps, then, yeah, the identity and everything else for the brand starts coming to life. Um, yep. It's kind of shocking, too, because I see web designers who... I'll design whatever you want, but they don't know anything about online sales, marketing strategy, and they don't even do a brand strategy. <laughs> I'm like, yep. you're going to spend three to five grand for someone just to whip up a design that is almost pointless. <laughs> we, we see that routinely in our world too, where, um, so, you know, and sometimes the stuff's visually gorgeous, right? You'll see someone who, however they got it, someone's yeah. built a very attractive looking thing, but there's no UI thought, no brand thought. 
Right. And then they don't understand why conversions dropped, why, you know, SEO yeah. tanked. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, yep, I'm with you, man. doesn't lead to buying. It's a tough message to get across to people. Um, and I will, I, you know, as a design like fanatic myself, I like pretty things. I like design, yep. but I will tell people and I put it in my marketing now. I'm like, I don't really, it doesn't matter how pretty it is. Good design in my world is it's converting. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. I always used to, you know, this, this mindset's changed, especially in the age of mobile and apps, but yep. you know, a decade ago when I used to do uh speeches or presentations on this exact subject, I would, I would tell people, think you're having a housewarming party and, and you're setting your whole house up in your mind for people to come through your front door. Yeah. And so you've put all of your effort into presenting your front door and your walkway and people coming in. And I said, but what you don't understand in the world of the web is 40% of your customers are going to crawl in the bathroom window. And because they, they don't understand how they're getting to their site, right? They're clicking on a random link they found in a Google search that doesn't lead yeah. to the entryway, right? Yeah. And and if you haven't mastered your conversion paths, and, and it starts by understanding how people find your website, right? So yeah. how do people, or, or your app, but how do people find you? Like, how does someone know who you are? And if you can't put your mind, if you can't put yourself in the mind of the consumer and walk through getting to know you as, as a consumer does, then it's very hard to optimize those conversions. That's, that's very true. Very true. And so what, what motivated you? I mean, we got the Shopify's, we got the WooCommerce. I mean, there's others that I don't even play with. Um, but you know, you're, platform is new to me, which I was just curious about. And I, as an entrepreneur, I'm always like, oh, that's really cool. And it's, I find it to be a very bold, um, you know, step in production and stuff, because there's obviously big players in the space. I'm a big believer that, you know, there's room for everybody kind of thing. Right. So what motivated you to take on what seems to be a pretty damn big project. Well, uh, yeah. And, and I don't want to bore your audience too much of the backstory, but this, this project actually, like I said, a little bit, we were one of the first e-commerce platforms ever. So the, the actual uh, first iteration of our product came out in 1997. So probably most of your listeners were children. Okay. Okay. And, um, and we were, we were arguably Shopify and WooCommerce before Shopify and WooCommerce existed. So, so the backstory was during the dot-com boom, uh, we had about 250,000 active stores. So we were the most commonly used e-commerce platform for small businesses back wow, then. Okay. That's the good part of the story. The bad, and I wasn't the owner of the business then. I was just I here see. as a salesperson. I see. I see. But that version of the business didn't have any recurring revenue. <laughs> so people would pay us 50 bucks and they would own their, their license. And that was it. So even with all those stores, we were never getting more than a couple million a year in sales, which we couldn't, you just couldn't, the two things didn't match. Right. Okay. Which is what led to selling the platform. By the time I bought it back, Shopify was not a juggernaut. Shopify was a tiny, you know, uh, Toby, I, I, Toby was a, just an entrepreneur like me. And, yeah. um, and so, and WooCommerce was a budding little plugin, but they were neither, you know, is Magento at that time had taken off. And so, but the answer to your question is I wouldn't go, I wouldn't necessarily today start from scratch to take on Shopify or WooCommerce head on. I don't know if that's a wise move, <laughs> but I am. And this is probably relevant to your audience. I'm a huge believer in this idea of have a specialty, grow rich in a niche, right? Yeah. So, yeah. um, so what we did was we, we knew we had a great e-commerce platform and we had, you know, people doing billions in sales who, who loved our product. 
And I said, well, what is it we're good at? Why would someone choose us over Magento, Shopify, WooCommerce? And, and we're good at specific things. We're good at people doing business to business and direct to consumer on the same site. Yep. We're, we're good at huge SKU count, right? You don't normally see a Shopify store with 20,000 SKUs, right? And so, so those are things we're good at. And we've, we've really just focused on those things. You know, if something's, I, I will sometimes joke that if my mom was going to sell t-shirts, she should use Shopify, right? Because that's just not, my platform's not designed for that. Yeah. But if you want to sell uh, 20,000 auto products that are down to not just the model and year, but the sub year, you're not going to do it well on Shopify. And that's where a platform like Miva comes in. I see. So that's a, that's a point of differentiation there. Okay. Yep. So you do cater to certain kinds of businesses that have maybe more complex inventory. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it's well, it's actually kind of complexity on anything. So it's inventory. Inventory is the easiest one to describe, right? But it could be shipping rules, right? So maybe you're selling Maine lobsters and they have to arrive just in time because you don't want a dead lobster. So um, so shipping rules, payment rules, uh, business to business and direct to consumer on the same site. Uh, those are all the things we specialize in. So, you know, if you want to do, you know, and I'm not here to knock Shopify, but like, let's say you owned 20 retail stores and you wanted, and you're a regional, you're not some huge brand, but you're a regional brand that people say in Kansas city, know who you are. Um, and you want to do buy online, pick up and store, uh, doing that on a Shopify store is near impossible because they're API limits, those kind of things right in our wheelhouse. I see. I see. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, and uh, there is interesting, um, like I worked with someone, I talked about this with the last person I spoke with about e-commerce because I'm always curious. One interesting challenge I came across, and I don't think it, maybe this is not actually applicable for you, but you might have some thoughts or insights just from people in our audience who might be similar, which is an e-commerce store that is doing local only and they have food products that are perishable, meaning no preservatives. Yep. You know, and I, that was an interesting challenge that I kind of came across. So, you know, local SEO obviously is an obvious thing and, and then local delivery and things like that. And have you dealt with companies like that, with those kinds of constraints and what kind do you have any thoughts on strategies that might be helpful for, for businesses that are small and local and trying to have, you know, healthy foods that no preservatives, right? Sure. So, um, Miva itself definitely handles clients like that. I mean, that's when you talk about complexity, that that's the kind of complexity okay, that, that okay. we specialize in. Uh, I don't know that I personally have any strategies around that subject just cause uh, I know our, we, we have, we do have this unique niche in specialty foods. So that kind of stuff, our, our team deals with all the time, but I can tell you normally that kind of stuff, the complexities there and the things you're trying to solve for are you need to know because it's perishable, you need to know real-time inventory count. You need to know how exactly what time deliveries are being picked up. You need to know when deliveries are being delivered. Yeah. So it could be hyper local, like you're delivering via Postmates, mm -hmm. yep. or it could be just, it's got to be there in two days. And you got to know that orders that come in by 2 PM mountain time, go out via FedEx specialty, and they're going to arrive, you know, two days more later by 10 AM. And That's so key. it's, yeah. th those are the kind of things that where you're going to need a more specialized platform to help you solve. Yeah. And that, that's the kind of thing it's, um, you know, kind of like you only have two days to deliver because it's a seven or eight day life 
<laughs> span for the product. Um, and when you do that, shipping costs get really expensive, right? So you kind of hit these barriers and you got to get pretty creative on, um, you know, getting traffic and, and all that kind of stuff. So that was an interesting little roadblock that we ran into that we're solving for. So I just wanted to pick your brain on it. But um, yeah, I'd be also curious um, as far as, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, like somebody's coming to me, but now this is, I'm, I'm thinking of it as specialized e-commerce almost, right? So complex inventory, but also could be restrictive shipping and very, you know, niche focused types of constraints and things to deal with. Um, and so do you have any maybe examples on what's the process like when someone signs up on that platform versus building it out on, you know, we do a lot on WooCommerce and, and things like that. So what's the, can you give a little explanation between them? Sure. And I don't know how different it's going to be per se from uh, platform to platform. I mean, there'll be small differences, but the real trick, the secret to success, whether you're on Miva, Shopify, WooCommerce, yeah. big commerce, the secret to success is having a well thought out project management plan. So, um, you know, let's use your specialty food example. So let's say I have a product that I make, I make it five days. Let's say I make fresh cookies. I make these fresh cookies five days a week and they're good for eight days. Right. Yep. And let's say I have a combination of regional delivery. So people, and, and some people who are far away who are willing to pay a bunch for shipping, but mostly I'm going to ship to where priority mail can get to in, in 48 hours. Right. And, but I also have some distributors who want to buy the stuff. Right. So you're going to start with a project plan. Okay. So the distributors, they're going to buy in bulk. Maybe they're only going to ship to distributors on Monday for the stuff you cooked on Friday because then, uh, and you're going to charge their shipping account. So you need to lay out your whole business. Your business needs to be in a Gantt chart. And if your business is, you know, not to, not to, not to geek out, but if your business is truly laid out to, in steps and systematized, then laying those systems into an e-commerce platform is I'm not going to say it's easy. Nothing technologically is actually all that easy, yeah. but it's doable and you can succeed. Yeah. And what you'll find is, and what I find, and it can be, you know, it can be on our platform or any other platform is if someone, uh, if someone doesn't have their steps thought out, especially when there's a complexity, right? It's going back to selling more commodity items. If I'm selling, a, if I have a small clothing line, then I'm using a 3PL or an, a fulfillment by Amazon to fulfill. Yeah. Right. And there's no particular rush on the item getting there. It can get there in two, five, seven days. Um, you know, the, the hardest part there is getting the client. But in these other industries where maybe you already have a built in demand for clients, the hardest part is getting them the product on time while it's still fresh. Yeah. You know, selling flowers would be a good example of that. Yeah. And a lot of that comes down to having your business processized and then working with an e commerce consultant who knows how to actually get that process going. And I think. My experience is the people I've seen who succeed are the ones who either are masters at that or are willing to hire the experts to get those systems in place for them. Yeah. I mean, I have to agree that having one, just the thought process and thinking about all that and then systematizing. Um, I do love the idea of getting a combination of a strategy to run paid ads, but also a strategy for distribution. So even if you're local, there could be local outlets that already have traffic and people that you can now borrow. Yep. And every week you can do fresh deliveries that they sell and do those types of things. So yeah, there's just a lot of coordination, I guess. And it comes down to the hustle on the team to get it all set up too. 
And you know, that's, you know, if you have people like, let's say you have a, let's say you're a budding brand of a specialty food item, right? Yeah. That's got a short shelf life. Using local distribution to get your brand out there is great, but also you need to pair that going back to your, the original thing we started with. You do want to pair that with having a website where people who have now become loyalty to yourfreshfoods.com because you know why your margin when you sell to them direct is going to be three times what you're getting from the distributor. So the distributor becomes sort of your, your inverted advertising cost. That's right. Yeah. And you yeah. build your relationship with this customer. And then now the customer coming back to buy the goods, you know, let's, you know, a more traditional concept to be say nutritional supplements, right? You, maybe you buy it the first time at your gym as a model in your mind, yeah. but then you go sign up for a subscription on the website, right? They might've, broke even by selling it to the gym, but if they get a subscription of it from the website, they're making a killing. And that's, that's the kind of thinking and entrepreneurs you be doing about how to get more business. I love that. And I, I love having e-commerce with built-in continuity programs. So those subscription yep. models and things like that. Um, I think that they're really smart and that can be great too. Just like you mentioned, if you start getting the loyalty, that's the back end, right. And through the emails, you get them into the, the subscriptions, which. And, and people, you know, a long way. I know it sounds almost cheesy, but game theory works. Points work. Loyalty yeah, coupons yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. People want to be rewarded for their loyalty. Rewards. Yeah, that, that's classic. I mean, it's still, I think there's still something to be said for it as long as it seems like a good deal. Everybody wants a deal. That's what everyone wants. I mean, you, you can boil all marketing down to that. Everyone wants a good deal. Everyone wants to be the guy who knows someone. Oh man. Awesome. Well, it's been fun chatting. I got to wrap up here and get into the next meeting, but let's make sure we give a shout out. Um, anybody that is looking to explore what Rick has going on over at Miva, what's the, the best URL and place to check you out? Sure. The two best places to find me are Miva, which is M like me, uh, Mary M I V A.com. So Miva.com. And then my podcast and book, you can find at dragonproof.us. Cool. And Adam, it was awesome being on here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for tuning into the Authentic Brand Mastery Podcast. Don't forget to stop by changecreator.com for more information, fresh articles, content, and our services if you're looking to build a brand that people love. And please stop by iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We appreciate your support. Thank you.